Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to the Bible Immersion Podcast by the Well Madera, where we exist to point people to the hope and love and the wholeness found only in Jesus Christ. And the heart and the vision of this podcast is to do that by showing how every single story of Scripture snaps together to shape the one true story of Jesus. And we're calling this podcast Bible Immersion because we recognize that reading the Bible is its a lot like learning a new language. Uh, not only that, it's like stepping back into a completely new and unfamiliar time zone in a culture and a context that expects you to be fluent in their history and cultural traditions and even their inside jokes. And as we all know, the best way to learn another language is to completely immerse yourself in the culture and force yourself to begin thinking about everything through the life and the eyes and the language of that culture. And this is what the Bible is inviting you and me to do. We immerse ourselves in the story and we allow it to shape our identity as we begin to see that even a few thousand years later, we are still living within this same one true story. So as we walk line by line through the scriptures to know who God is and what he's like and what it means to be human as we're shaped by the story of Jesus, come with us and see how this divine gift of the scriptures points us to the past to inspire hope for the future. Dave and I have uh, been talking about doing a class like this for about a year, and it's really cool to see it come to fruition. Um, the idea is that, uh, actually like what you said yesterday about, can you share your Batman analogy? I love like that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see that coming. Yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, we were just talking last night a little bit about how beautiful it is that the authors of Scripture want us to be so immersed in this that we see our entire lives and world through the lens of this story, like we're in the story. And uh, I think uh, for me and my brother growing up, we love Batman. And you, as a kid, when like a superhero figure like that grabs your heart, mind, imagination, you begin to see your life through the eyes of Batman. Like every, every rock is something to climb or tree or building, like you think you're Batman. And uh, so we were just talking about that last night of like the, uh, in a little bit of a different but better way, the authors of this beautiful book inspired by the Holy Spirit want us to be so immersed and in love and captured by this story that everything we see is through the lens of that, that every interaction, every choice we make is through the lens of scripture. So, um, yeah. yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Um, okay, so with that, Romans 12 says, um, not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So the question is, what are we being transformed from and to? The world... Um, the world for voice lies upon us day after day, uh, everywhere we turn. It tells us that that if we buy the right shoes, we're going to be athletic. Um, if we buy a, the, the 
the nicest car, we're going to be accepted and uh, move up in status. He even tells us that if we're sitting on a, a train and we chew the right gum, the attractive female across the way is going to, uh, is going to immediately fall in love with us. <laughs> um, but we know that's not true. So let me set the scene. Um, Jesus is standing in front of Pilate. And Pilate says to him, so you're a king. And Jesus says, you say that I'm a king. Um, for this reason I was born, and for this reason I've come into the world to testify to the truth. And so I pose the question to you, what is, uh, what is truth? How do we define truth? Are you actually asking? Yes. <laughs> Easy lob of a question to start, start our class. Okay. Anybody else? I mean, us as an individual, be honest okay. with, with yourself and, and others. I mean, that's how I define truth. If, if, we, if we look at our worldview... Um, how would we define how would we define truth based on our worldview? Uh, I, I don't know that I'm posing that question properly to you guys, but how how do, how do we define truth? What if, what is our basis of truth? What about? I'm sorry. Go ahead. I would say our my basis of truth is scripture. Okay. But I'm also, all these questions are reminding me of Del Tackett and the Truth Project. And that was like 12 hours of delving into this question. <laughs> yeah. So, scripture. But that plays out in a myriad of very real situations in life. And each one we have to see how scripture applies. Mm -hmm. Kind of like Batman. Mm -hmm. that's, that's what's coming to mind for me is the Truth Project. What would you guys say, um, maybe for the average person who wouldn't go to this as the foundation for truth, where, where are people finding truth today? Social media. Themselves. Yeah, themselves. Speak your truth movement. And yeah. Like, <clears throat> that you believe that brings you satisfaction is like mm -hmm. your truth and all of that that goes along with that. So what if we define truth as reality through the eyes of God? And we have the eyes of God here. This is what we have. Um, yeah, so let's get started. Would somebody read Genesis 1-1 for us? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So getting back to the worldviews, What is scripture immediately forcing us to acknowledge? Who created the creator? Who created the creator? So, the creator? creator? <laughs> what else? That there is heaven and earth. Okay, there's heaven and earth, yeah. Mm -hmm. There's a beginning. Mm -hmm. Okay. And there's God. And there's God. Okay. Um, some of you have. Uh, went through our heaven and hell intensive, so this part of this might be a little bit of review for you, but uh, 
When we think of heavens and earth, what comes to what comes to your mind's eye? In heaven, I think of um, happiness, no pain, no suffering. Um, okay, so what about in the context of, of Genesis one? What do we think of? Uh, what do we think of heaven? The physical heaven. Too. Heaven would be God and earth would be heaven. Okay. The separation? The separation? Yeah, yeah there's definitely separation. Um, so, for clarity, the Hebrew writers, uh, the Hebrew writer Moses, um, remember that, that, that we really didn't have a picture of, of the earth until the 60s. So, what do you, how, what do you guys think the, the, the the writer intended us to see when he says heavens and earth. Maybe just what's above us and what we're standing on. Very simple. Well, in ancient times, the heavens were everything above the earth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The earth was what they stood on, mm-hmm. lived on, and the heavens was everything. Yeah. Obviously. The everything sky. above them, right? Everything above them. Very simple understanding. I think we, we, we complicated with... Um, that God has has uh, uh, created what we see in in in, in modern day, and, and that's that's not what the, the, the writers intended. So it was it's really just a very simple what we're standing on and what we see above us. Very simple. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so verse two it says, the earth, was, "The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters." So there's a couple of Hebrew words or phrases or ideas I want to convey here. Um, when it says the earth was without form, the idea is that uh, the, 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 the Hebrew phrase, the um, message he's trying to convey, is it's, it's the words as tovu babohu. And it, and it means uh, wild and waste. It means it's, the, the, the idea is that um, it is chaos and uninhabited. So in the second verse here, we're set up to see something. Or we're set up, God's setting us up to, to acknowledge something, that, that something big's coming. So right now it's, it's wild and waste. It doesn't have any purpose right now. Yeah. It's purposeless. Yeah, nicely said. Any thoughts? I find it ironic that you describe this chaos when it's uninhabited. Oh. <laughs> yeah. What what is your thing? Just that I feel like people and what goes on on Earth is what creates chaos. Ooh. So if there's nothing there, it seems pretty peaceful. Maybe not peaceful, but bland. Mm-hmm. What about what about? Um, and we're going to see this uh, in in actually the the rest of the verse how it talks about. Then there was darkness over the face of the deep. Um, so let's move it. So when we see the word deep in scripture, uh, we see it's generally talking about, are referring to an ocean. <clears throat> and, and the idea that, that's being conveyed here is that the, the ocean is, is uh, 
unwelcoming, agitating. Um, it, it has no it has no ability to sustain life. We know that 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 God is a God of order, and so um, the inability to sustain life. Sorry. Um, lost my spot here. Bear with me. While you find that, I just wanted to interject real quick. Back in verse one. When it talks about in the beginning, uh, I, I like this thought that it's not God's beginning, it's our beginning. And the author immediately wants us yeah. to know that in the beginning is our beginning. It's, it's, this is a story of humanity, um, but God has existed and is eternal. And one of the best pictures of that I love uh, it comes from a, a great book. I try to, It's a small little book, but I try to reread it every year called... Uh, knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer and he will just blow your mind with the greatness of God but he gives this picture of uh, you guys know that old like uh, paper a copying paper that you can just unfold and unfold is this big oh, yeah. you know what I'm talking about <laughs> yeah. and uh, he said imagine if you just stretch that out as far as your eyes could see this direction as far as you could see that direction that paper and then if you took a pencil and in the middle of that you made a tick mark and so as far to the left far as the right as you can see this paper and then the tick mark that tick mark would represent human history compared to the eternality of God so when we talk about the beginning because for us it's like how do you wrap your minds around the eternal infinite God and I love that picture that like he he'll come on the scene later on and say I am the alpha the omega I've always existed I am right now I will always exist as far as we can see this direction, as far as we can see that direction, and our little time here is just this blip. So even when he says in the beginning, it's like this little tick mark compared to that, just this eternal, infinite God. Um, so as we start this story, like we find ourselves inside um, this eternal God that just humbles us and like, whoa, we get to be a part of this story, you know? So back over to you, Sean. Yeah. And as the story progresses, um, we'll see how he uh, unfolds or resolves the tohu babohu. Mm-hmm. So, again, going back to the tohu babohu, um, it is it is waste or chaos and uninhabited. Mm-hmm. So he's he's painting a picture here that 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 it's it's just tumultuous. It's, it's there's there's no order. We know that God is a God of order, so we're going to see that unfold here shortly. Uh, so it says, uh, and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. What, when you guys think darkness, what does that represent to you? Life? Jesus. Yeah. yeah. And so we see that darkness, anytime it's spoken of, especially in John, we see darkness is, is death. It's unsustainable. Um, it, it just cannot sustain life. And so that's the picture that's, that's being painted. John, I think when you say that, um, you know, we've been teaching through the Gospel of John, and it's so hard for me, I've got to be careful, so hold me back when I shouldn't do this, but I want to always jump forward to John, because what John does in his account is he writes it as if it's the recreation. And so you have the creation in Genesis 1, and now he wants us to show Jesus as the recreation. And so in the first couple verses of his chapter, he talks about in him was life, 
and that life was the light of men. So right away, he wants us to think light and life are synonymous. Like, and you'll see it throughout his gospel. Light and life are, he'll use them interchangeably. Yeah. So throughout the story of the gospel, and it starts right here in Genesis 1, light and life should go hand in hand in our thinking. So. Yeah. <clears throat> and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Um, anybody that took the heaven and hell intensive, remember what spirit is? You know him. <laughs> <laughs> to have a wife to pick on in a class is such a beautiful thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the Hebrew word is ruach. R-U-W-A-C-H. And we're going to see that concept all throughout Scripture as well when we see spirit. I want you guys, when you see spirit or breath um, or speak, I want you to think of, of God's creative power. And in the New Testament, we're going to see um, that when that is used, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. He's talking about the power of God. It's really interesting here. He says, and God said, let there be light. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about said for a second. Uh, he ordered or he proclaimed. Mm. Okay. He made it happen. Okay. When God speaks, what you're seeing is the ruach. The, 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 the breath of God, the creative power. Mm -hmm. but, but there's something else here when he speaks. Hopefully this will, as, as Dave calls, hyperlink us to John 1.1. 1, 1. Does anybody know John 1.1 1, 1 by heart? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, mm -hmm. and the Word was God. Or maybe you got that reversed. No, you got you it. Got it. Yeah. Not as you yeah, that's, that's, that's exactly right. And so when we see speak, God's, crea God's creative power, let me think how I want to say this, God's creative power is being expressed in his, in his words. And, 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 and we see, um, we see in John 1, 1 that that word is, is, is Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. his, his word is being placed. Yeah? Mm -hmm. And in verse 3, we see Jesus. Right off the bat. Oh, the light. Yeah. What's that? The light. Is that what you mean? The light and the word. <laughs> yeah, so right off the bat, um, Scripture's establishing the, the Trinity. Real quick on the end of verse 2 there, when it talks about this, that Spirit of God is hovering over the face of the waters. You guys may have heard this, but it's it's this imagery of like a fluttering of wings. It's this it's this energy, this life waiting to happen. It's, it's this picture of like a, a mother bird over her nest, right? Like, like God's personal. So right away the author wants us to begin thinking about um, this ruach, this spirit, um, as his life-giving 
energy and presence. And so anytime you see that throughout Scripture, and you, you know, I know it's hard for us to kind of get a grasp of who's the Holy Spirit, what's he all about, but to begin thinking of, oh, the Spirit, this is the personal, life-giving presence of God. Because as Sean is, is showing us here, you already see God the Father at work, and this is great, it's setting me up for the Trinity series we're going into, so I'm going to plagiarize all these thoughts, but um, you got God the Father, you see the Spirit, this life-giving presence and energy of God hovering over the earth that you just care so much for, is about to create, and then you see the Word going out. So right away, the author between Moses and then later on, John wants us to realize, oh, this is the, this is the Trinity at work. God the Father creates. How does he create? By sending out his son, Jesus, the word, the life, the light. And that power is carried out through his personal life-giving presence of the Spirit. So you already see in a couple couple verses, man, there's Father, Son, Holy Spirit working together in this incredible creative act. Uh, The power power of that word is, brings about the abilities to sustain life. How crazy is that? That God can just simply speak in life forms. Mm. That's yeah, it's incredible. Mm. Any any thoughts or any questions about what we've gone through so far? I, I don't know. First, are you saying it's a direct to Jesus? Yes. And then, in light of that, what would you guys say to what does it say about? And you know, we'll get to more of this in, in verses twenty six through thirty one, probably next week. I'm assuming, but what does it say about humanity? That, that we're the only creature God has given the ability to speak. What do you guys think? If you, if you think about, man, first couple of verses, God's voice is important, right? His word is important. And then he chooses to give you and me the ability to speak. What's that say about us? It's given us some authority. Mm-hmm. Some authority. authority. And that's going to come into play later yeah. With the partner, yeah. What's that, Anne? Oh, he's given us intelligence to make choices. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because I think we'll see later on if words have the ability for creative power, what do you think they also have the ability to do? Destroy. They can destroy, destroy. Well. Words can create or destroy. <laughs> So that goes back to like, man, what authority and responsibility God has given us if he's shared his creative or destructive ability with us. It's high. We'll talk more about that when we get towards the end of chapter one, but yeah. Cool. Um, so yeah, so again, we see Tohu Wabohu, uh, the, the, the chaos and uninhabitable. And God said, let there be light. Light brings about life. And so we're starting to see God resolve the tohu or the chaotic portion to to, uh, make way to bring about life. He says, and there was light, and God saw the light that it was good. What do you guys think that means, that that the light is good? And we're going to see this as as we move through Genesis. He says, it is good each time. This, what, do, what do you think that means in this context? Good. It now serves its intended purpose or has the ability to serve its intended purpose. So what does light do? Light brings life, 
right? And we're going to see the Bohu portion of Tohu Wabohu, um, where it's uninhabited. We're going to see that God starts to bring life, mm-hmm. life to the earth. And so, anytime you see good, think it has it is it has the ability to serve its intended purpose. Mm-hmm. I've heard somebody say it's pregnant with potential. Mm-hmm. I like that. That's good. Mm-hmm. What I like about that too, Sean. I I think. You know, as we get further into the narrative and we see that Adam and Eve are placed in this garden and we think Garden of Eden, I think in our culture we like to use the word perfect. And to me, uh, perfect sounds pretty boring. Like perfect is, well, it can't get any better. Like this is it. It's a utopia. And that sounds great for about a week. Um, And then after that, I think it's, well, what's next? God has wired and put within us this sense of growth and potential and what's next and a contentment and yet excitement of what could be, right? That's, that's innate within us. And so what I like, I, I prefer the, the word good rather than perfect is, and I like that, pregnant with potential. So what you're going to see in this garden of Eden is, is this place that is pregnant with potential. It's not perfect. And I know people might, you might stumble or wait, 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 you're saying it's not well, hold on. What I mean by that is there's still work to be done in the garden. There's still work to be done in this good created world. Um, and to me, that makes uh, heaven, eternal life with God, more exciting to know that if this is a reflection of what will be for eternity, heaven will not be perfect as we understand perfection. It will be good. It will yeah. be pregnant with potential. And to me, that's a much more exciting eternal view. But you can I, like... I have to thank you for that right now. That right there is an answer to Because about a year ago, Sydney said, Mom, one of the best things about life was learning how to do all the gymnastics moves. Yeah. Wow. Better yeah. How yeah. am I supposed to look forward to heaven if it's just mm. perfect and I'm not growing? Yeah. And I was like, that's it. Oh, you are a Sydney. <laughs> Just like it. How can you not like perfect? <laughs> but that's it. Like as humans, yeah. we've been made yes. to say, what's next? Like yes. we're made to explore, we're made to be adventurous, we're made to create, which we're gonna get into. Yeah. So why would we not create, explore, and adventure for all of eternity? Yeah. So it's good. Pregnant with potential. I'm plagiarizing that for the future. You're going to hear that in sermons in the future. <laughs> a wink and a nod from Sean Young. But yeah, that's, yeah. that's good. No, it was an amazing mm. question that I've been pondering. And I gave her an answer, but that's a better answer. <laughs> <laughs> you like that? You'll circle and back. I, I mean, I was honest with her. I said, you know, that is a really good question. I need to think about that. Yeah. And yeah. But no, I've been waiting. That's, yeah. that's the answer. That's that cool. I need That's exciting. Glad I got up. <laughs> yes, all right. We're coming back. Because what you'll see throughout, maybe carrying on with that idea, Scripture will use the word perfect. Uh, matter of fact, we have it in our mission statement it, as the well that we exist to point people to the love, hope, love, and wholeness found only in Jesus Christ. And it comes from Colossians 1 that says that we're called to make everyone perfect in Christ, but it means whole, complete, or mature. So it's someone who's maturing, growing, healthy, whole. The Hebrew uses shalom. The Greek uses uh, more so this idea of perfect meaning. But it's always got this growth and maturity aspect to it. It's never a finished product. Isn't that amazing? Mm-hmm. So anyway, 
Thank you for that, Karen. I will also steal that example. <laughs> uh, but I want to do gymnastics in heaven. No. Yeah. I still want to learn she the moves. She still wants to grow. Yeah. She's like, yeah. because perfect to her, I had never yeah. thought about perfect being boring. But yeah. you're right. It does, even yeah. eventually you want to yeah. leave that perfect whatever. Yeah. Because think of how many people, I would love to pull kind of the average person in America and ask them to describe what heaven's going to be like. And man, <laughs> it sounds so boring. Yeah. It really exactly. does. Yeah. But when we have this picture of what heaven could be, pregnant with potential to create, to adventure, to explore, uh, to continue developing relationships, man, that's that's a different story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. To continue to reflect God's image, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll see that later on as well. Yeah. Um, okay, so, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. It was an evening and a morning the first day. Hmm. Um, got a quick question. Where's this light coming from? What is the light here? Because we know that he doesn't put the, the, the greater light and the lesser light into place until Genesis 4. So where's the light coming from? I always thought it's God himself because in Revelation it says I'll be the light. Awesome connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what, that's, I, I've always, that's what I always thought. Talking about the new Jerusalem, right? Yes. But there'll be yeah. no sun and moon, but yeah. he will be our light. Yeah, yeah, great connection. Cool. Okay. Um... So when he says, and there was an evening and a morning the first day. So there's no timekeepers. We don't have a sun and a moon yet. Um, what's God doing here? He's separating the light from darkness. So there's no overlap. There's a clear distinction um, between darkness and light. And he, interestingly enough, he never calls the dark good. It's only the light he calls good. So what do you think he's, what do you think he's doing here? Introducing morality by using the word good. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah. And and running with that, the theme through John, light and darkness, right? So we know that Jesus came to testify to the truth. So if he is the light and he is truth, then sure, he's absolutely producing morality. Is it almost like a promise? God's promising that it will be dark, but then the light will come. Mm-hmm. Um, I never thought of that. You know, like it's a cycle. It's a 24-hour thing. Obviously, now we talk about 24 hours. But in other words, it'll be dark, but then the light will come again. That's good. He keeps he keeps repeating that. He's always going, and then he keeps talking about the more the evening and then the morning, evening, morning, all through this. And then he says it's the second day, and then it's the third day. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So. It's really poetic. It's mm. the way yeah. it's written. It's yeah. like a song. It's like mm. it is poetic. Beautiful the way it's written. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's cool. No, that's a good observation. It's, I never it's just that. a. It's just a repetition of those same phrases each time he cre- mm-hmm. goes to the next day. It's a good observation. Why? Why do you think? Why do you think he keeps repeating that? Because I, I think there's a purpose for it. To cement it. To uh, to okay. make you remember. Okay. 
So, so we just saw chaos starting to be resolved. We started. We saw light introduced in order to start introducing life, and 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 those are both uh, functions of order. Morning, we're the first day. Um, each time, it's it's um, as you said, cementing the deliberate function of creation, that there is an order that God has from the beginning created. created. He, he took chaos and he's created an mm -hmm. order. And each day he's going to cement that at the end of the day. This is, this is the order. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Any questions in there? So give me just a moment. My iPad just worded out on me, and apparently went from Genesis five to Genesis nine well, with go. nothing oh. in between. Do you mind? Uh, I don't want to jump ahead of you, but while you do that, talking about kind of the unformed, uninhabited, yeah. wild waste. So what you're going to see is Sean walks us through this. As you mentioned, this being a song or a poem, you just you realize uh, every word matters. Like. This is such a creative work. Moses inspired by the Holy Spirit to pen yeah. this. Because what we're going to see, you guys, this has just been so much fun for me over the past year or two when we um, were taught this, is the next six days you're going to see this perfect order. So the reason Sean's stressing on the front end, wild and waste, unformed, uninhabited, the first three days as we walk through them, you're going to see this idea of God takes what is unformed and he creates form. And then they match up, and I'm going to show you. So if you're to look, um, one, two, three, four, five, six. One matches four. There's a symmetry. Two matches five. Three matches six. And I'll fill it in for you as we go. But uh, what you see in day one, God creates form out of chaos, or what is what was unformed becomes formed. And then day four perfectly reflects. He fills that form with life. Day two, he creates a form. And then day five, he fills that form with life. Day three, he creates a form or structure. And then day six, he fills that specific form with life. It's so cool when you begin to see that. So if I can cheat ahead a little bit just for the first no, one. No. Day one, you're going to see him create, you know, evening and morning, this sense of time. This mm -hmm. sense of, he, he introduces the concept of light. But wait a second. And I, I, hope, I don't want to steal your no, punch here. No, day four... <laughs> is when he creates sun, moon, stars. So he creates a structure or the form of light and time. And then he says, oh, I'm going to fill that with the life of sun, moon, stars to fulfill that rhythm of time I created in day one. And so you'll see one and four, two and five, three and six, this perfect symmetry of order that God is taking what was once wild and waste and creating order and beauty in life. It's just... Genesis 1, you guys. <laughs> so good. It is so much fun. Yeah. That's why we've been like giddy. Like, can't wait to sit down with y'all and just start walking through it. So, all right. Is your screen yeah, no, back? Okay, no I'll shut up. <laughs> um, no, you're good. Okay, so Dave explained that perfectly. Um, we, see, we see order being created. And so the beginning of the second day, um, a lot of questions arise with this. Uh, to be honest, I don't know what it looks like. 
Mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't think any of us do. Um, but what, what I do, what I do want to focus on is not getting lost in the unknowable about the expanse, um, but rather focus on the necessity of its division and what it's setting up mm-hmm. for, for life. So let's keep reading. Um, let, actually, let me back up real quick. I want to point out as well that, that I think a lot of times we look to Genesis to explain or to counter science um, and it, in, 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 our, in our quest to say, no, Scripture's real, and, and, and this proves it. While I 100% believe, believe this is true, I don't think that's what the Hebrew writer intended it to do. And so, again, while it's true, it's not intended to combat science. So, again, not getting lost in the expanse or what the separation is, um, I, I really want to focus on, on, on where, where it's going. So, um, Okay, and God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven. Let's talk through this. What, 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 is, what is he painting a picture of? How, did, how would you describe this in your mind's eye of what just took place? Because it seems like there's an expanse in the midst of the waters and he's separating waters from waters. Um, we see earlier that the whole earth was covered with water, or deep, it spoke about. The deep, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. What is this painting? What picture does this paint for you guys? Hmm. Any ideas? That's interesting. Pardon me? Are they creating earth, like separating the waters so he's going to do that uh, later, though. This is yeah. He's going to do that later. Yeah. yeah, this is before land. This almost seems like atmosphere. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I don't know that I've ever really realized that. that was I, I was thinking yeah. the expanse was the land. Yeah. But now I see that the land came next. Right. This is later. This, okay. is, this mm. is almost like creating order in the universe. Mm. The he's, galaxy. He's creating, it, it seems, and, and I would like not... It's like he's taking the earth and saying, okay, this is where I'm going to build my Kingdom on Earth. Huh. This Earth. I mean, now I'm gonna fix this. Yeah. I like Susan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Other than beating us to all the punches, I really like you. Yeah. So. It's awesome. So yeah, it seems, and, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't plant a flag on this and say this is exactly what it means again because I don't think any of us know, but it, it seems to point to the idea that God's creating an atmosphere, mm-hmm. something, uh, something capable of sustaining life. Mm-hmm. Waters from waters. We, we see the atmosphere, it, it, it plays a huge role in, in the, the, the life cycle. Um, and just a quick, if you were to fast forward the story a little bit, if you get to the flood in Genesis 6, you'll notice the language is, when the earth floods, waters came from above and below. Yeah. So you see this picture of, you know, this floating mass of water up above and below. And then in the flood, they just, it's like God opened the gates 
In what he just directions. did here in separating them and creating this dome, it, the language is this dome, right, yeah. uh, that holds the water up and, and beneath, is he just lets, he opens the gates and then just, and just lets, it, lets the water mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. yeah, from both directions. Power. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and there was an evening and a morning the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place. And let dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seeds. And God saw that it was good. There's that word again. What does that mean? Help me yeah. Yes. Nice. <laughs> nice. So now I can start planting. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. So what do you think? What do you think the potential is when he says it's good? Because what's he going to do here very shortly? Creating. Yeah. Now that he has that. Hmm. Okay. Does does anybody find it incredible that (laughs) actually? In comparison to what we just discussed, it's not that incredible. But the fact that God can create and 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 make <clears throat> a place for sustainable life as complicated as life itself is, just making something sustain something to sustain that. But <clears throat> He can take the waters and say, "Go no further. Stop here." Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Yeah. And God said, "Let the earth sprout forth." Sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is in their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. You guys, there's something really tricky in there. You guys, uh. There's no sun yet. Okay, there is no sun yet. Okay. Okay. What else? Oh. Yeah. Oh. I like it. I like where you're going. <laughs> okay. So we see that he, again, running with the theme that he is the, the author and giver of life. He's, he's, he's sustaining this with simply his glory, um, with his light. Mm-hmm. What else? How about, how about seeds each according to their kind? We're going to see this with, with, with animals as well. we got about three minutes, just so we don't time. Oh, okay. Um, <clears throat> let's stop there then. And the evening and the morning were the third day. You guys okay stopping there? Mm-hmm. Okay. Would, uh, just to be respectful of folks' time, what if we, uh, Somebody prayed us, prayed for us, prayed for us. Somebody willing to do that? Real quick before somebody does. Um, have some fun with this too, if you can, um, in your own notes, maybe between now and next Thursday, just jot down the symmetry you notice between uh, one and four, two and five, three and six, and just start making as many connections between those days as you can and see, it'd be fun to hear maybe starting next week the things you guys notice. Uh, you, you all right with that? Yeah, and also if you if you wouldn't mind maybe reading 
um, 14 through 25, and, and coming with thoughts or ideas of what, what you might uh, what you might see in there. We can talk through those as we move through the, the rest of the creation story. Awesome. Somebody mind praying for us?